Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Recent headlines indicate, um, I think, some good news in terms of employment, at least on the national stage. The latest numbers indicate um, a continued movement towards that figure of uh, 5.5% or so unemployment level that many economists consider to be the, the normal, acceptable level for an economy like ours. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of factors go into that calculation, and you can have a lot of debate about where the numbers come from. But the fact remains, I think, that many people who would like to work um, still cannot find a job. There's, there's still issues out there. Now, when someone loses a job, an unemployment claim is, is likely to follow, not always, but in many cases, and it's not always warranted. Uh, today, we're going to take a look uh, at the, the situation from the employer side, see how they can protect themselves from having to pay at least unfounded claims. Uh, again, everybody, hi, Jim Mitchell, back with you. And uh, today we'll be joined by Lavelle Law Attorney Lance Siebel. Lance will share some of his experience in fighting these unwarranted claims and provide some direction for employers on how to protect their, their very valid interests. So a lot to cover. Um, Lance, always good to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks, Jim. So give me a quick overview uh, before we get into some of these details from an employer perspective, just an overview of how the employment unemployment system is designed to work and, and in that system what responsibilities the employer has under the law. Well, it's supposed to be somewhat simple and it never really works out that way. Um, the process kind of works. The unemployed person will go file basically a claim, for lack of a better term, saying that they're unemployed, they're entitled to some sort of compensation for being unemployed. That'll trigger the unemployment process. Usually what ends up happening is the Illinois Department of Employment Security, who handles unemployment claims, will send a notice to the employer. Um, The employer has a opportunity to respond, um, which I'll come back to. Um, Once they've responded, the Department of Employment Security theoretically does an investigation Um, based on what's been said, to determine if the person is eligible for unemployment. They, in turn, will make a determination and issue that to the employer and say, yes, the person is eligible, no, they're not eligible for whatever reason. Once that determination is made, it triggers the employer's right to appeal that decision, and then you start working your way through kind of that process. So there's two two critical spots for the employer. One is when they get the notice. Two is exercising their appeal rights. Okay, and that's a good part of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, First of all, you made a couple of comments there. Are all workers, every worker, entitled to receive unemployment if they lose their job, or are there certain types of employees that are sort of not eligible based on the job description? Well, generally, independent contractors do not qualify for unemployment. It's it's really supposed to be limited to your salaried, W-2'd, hourly type employee. That's the kind of individual that the statute's 
made out for. Now, does that mean people don't try and game the system somehow? And, you know, of course that happens, <laughs> but realistically, um, it's set up for your hourly salaried employee. And as a general rule, all of us as employees and, and corporations, um, each time we there's a paycheck issued, there's a deduction there that goes into this unemployment system, correct? Correct. And the amount that's paid out to your given employees determines the rate of your contribution into that system. So that's why it's another reason to be somewhat judicious in making sure that claims are contested that don't have merit because mm-hmm. not only does it you know not only do you have that problem of you know person getting unemployment it it's essentially on your dime because they're going to look at that and say okay they have a, had a lot of unemployment claims we need to adjust their rate up and then you as the employer are paying more in and the employee doesn't have to kick in anything for that Interesting. Okay. So let's go through that process you mentioned, uh, and let's pick it up mm-hmm. at the point at which an employee submits a claim for unemployment. Okay. Um, you said there's a bit of a you know uh, investigation that goes on. What, what specifically happens there then? Well, let's, let's take it one step back. So the employer gets notice of the claim, and okay. they have a, a finite amount of time to answer the claim. I believe it's 10 or 15 days from the date of receipt. Now, they can do one of two things. <laughs> they can not do anything with the claim which basically forfeits a lot of their later appeal rights, or they can respond to the claim. Um, And I suggest, unless it's a pretty clear-cut case of the person's going to qualify, that you do respond. Um, Because if you don't respond, you do lose the appeal rights later. You're not considered a party of record anymore. You lose the ability to contest things, and you're kind of just there watching everything go by. Um, So it's important that you respond. The tone of the response is also important. Um, you need to set out in that response any reasons why the person's not eligible, because that's really what the uh, Department of Employment Security is investigating. You know, guy comes in, um, I quit my job. Uh, okay, then they send it to the employer, and the employer comes back and says, no, 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 he was fired because of whatever reason. Um, now they have to investigate and determine, does this person really qualify for unemployment? Okay. Um, well, let's go through that a little bit. And, and we're talking to Lance Ebel, an attorney at Lavelle Law, um, uh, on the podcast. He's sharing some information on employers, how and, and when to fight unemployment claims. Um, Lance has, has been with us a number of times in the past. And you can find those discussions in our archives here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, also under the media tab at LavelleLaw.com and on iTunes if you search Lavelle Law. Um, so we've had great conversations in the past, and, and there's also some very, very good articles that uh, Lance and others post at LavelleLaw.com. He's, he's put a couple of very pertinent ones up in the last couple of weeks, so I'd suggest checking those. You, you talked about eligibility there, Lance. What, what might make an employee ineligible and and provide that employer with good grounds to dispute a claim. Well, I wrote down before we talked four kind of reasons, and two of them are a little more complicated. One of them is not. Um, The the easy one is the person's working again. Um, That's grounds for you know, them not getting unemployment if they're employed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of simple. The employer knows they're working somewhere else. You want to advise Department of Employment Security about that. The second kind of easy one is that an employee is not eligible for unemployment 
from an employer unless they've been employed 30 days. What that means is if uh, somebody comes in and I hire somebody and they're there 15 days and I fire them, um, since they weren't there 30 days, if they are awarded unemployment, it's going to go on the previous employer's account, not my employer. So anytime you have an employee that's less than 30 days, you always want to contest that because you don't want it charged to your account. The two more subtle ones <clears throat> and that are the most often contested are the, the what's called voluntary leaving without good cause attributable to the employer and misconduct. So those are the two most often where you end up in appeals and disputes arise about whether a person is entitled to unemployment or not. So to be more clear on that one, if, if an employee quits or perhaps the employer feels that they have abandoned the job, then in general terms, there's always, I'm sure, you know, different disputes, but in general that would make them ineligible. It could. I mean, the key part of that prong is, is when a person leaves is, did the employer do something that caused them to leave? I'll give you an example. If I don't like my job and I just quit because I don't like it, I'm probably not going to be eligible for unemployment because I voluntarily left my employment. Now, if I'm working somewhere and they don't pay me on time, um, or there's some other working condition that's... Uh, and this goes through a litany of cases mm -hmm. where you'd have to find this, but some reason the employer caused me to quit, and I didn't really do it voluntarily. I mean, I quit, but it was because they didn't pay me or something like that. Now I'm probably going to be eligible for unemployment because even though I left, it's because of something the employer did to me. Okay. And and as you talk about the employer sort of protecting their rights and fighting this, we talked about you know responding to the initial claim uh, within that uh, 10 or 15 day window. Once that's done, what's the duration of this investigation and hearing process then? How long is this going to take and does it tend to tie up the employer in terms of things they've got to do? It doesn't usually tie up the employer. Um, just as kind of a quick example, they'll usually make the determination within a couple weeks of the protest. So it comes down pretty quick. Once you get the decision, let's say it goes against the employer, that you then have, I want to say, 30 days to file a written request for a hearing, um, at which point you will do a telephone hearing, not an in-person hearing generally. 99% of the time it's by telephone. So that doesn't intrude on the employer that much. Um, you do the telephone hearing, the administrative law judge generally issues a decision in a day or two, so you have it within a week. And then you know, if it goes against you, you have more appeal rights. Um, if it goes for you, you know, then the other side has appeal rights. But it's not... a time-consuming process for the employer. Okay. And probably a whole separate conversation here, so um, you know, I don't want to head off on a tangent, but as you talk about employees who are leave or are fired, whatever the case is in this process, is, is it handled any differently if there's a union involved in terms of how the uh, investigation or process or claim is handled, or is it the same for everybody? It's the same. Okay. All right. So one of the two more things I want to get to here before we run out of time. We always like to talk in these kind of conversations, not so much about, um, you know, what's happening, how it's done, the process, but sometimes we look at things employers can do in advance to sort of protect themselves. 
is this an instance in which record keeping or certain policies uh, can be beneficial and and maybe thwart some of these these claims from coming up if the employee does things as a general course of business? Well, you can't really stop the claim per se. That that's mm-hmm. impossible to do. Um, what I advise most of my clients, and it doesn't just relate to unemployment, it applies across the board, is have a good employee handbook um, just because the voluntary leaving issue tends to be very fact-based. It's not going to be controlled generally by a handbook. You're going to be arguing more pure law. However, when it comes to the misconduct prong where you fire somebody because they did something bad in their job, then the handbook is very important and papering up what you do is very important. Example, if you have a what's called progressive discipline policy where, okay, if somebody does something wrong, we give them a warning, and they get a second warning, and then the third time we fire them. And you can show that in your employee handbook, and then you can also show that you you know you followed that system. It's a lot more likely that the Department of Employment Security or an administrative law judge is going to find that they're ineligible because of the employee's misconduct than if you have some kind of half-baked policy that you don't always follow and it's not papered up. So from a preparation standpoint, good handbook and you follow it and then you paper everything up. And following those procedures and then going back to what you mentioned about the IDS and and, and the uh, judicial process, um, not being too too intrusive, is it still something, these cases, something that an employer wants to use an attorney to handle as opposed to trying to see this through on their own? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've done this both ways. Yes is probably the general answer, but, you know, attorney involvement can be on in different levels. For example, a lot of employers, I just review their response or their protest mm-hmm. to make sure it's in line. And a lot of times, if the protest is in good shape and it's legitimate, it doesn't get to the next phase. Where you generally definitely want an, an attorney is if it gets past that stage where they find, where the Department of Employment Security finds they're eligible, and then you want to appeal that, that's where you want an attorney because there's specific issues and specific ways you need to attack a hearing that an employer might not know. Interesting. Well, uh, very helpful here for the last uh, quarter hour. Thanks to uh, Lance Ebo for being with us. Uh, Lance from Lavelle Law Limited. Great conversation. And again, LavelleLaw.com, a place to go. Uh, you can find Lance's profile there. Drop him an email if you'd like to have further discussion. Uh, the phone number, 847-705-755 and uh, 847-705-7555. And we certainly thank you for being with us and thanks to Lance for being here as well. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.